We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire. Joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, owner of Rise Athletics and Croc Talk TV. Eric freaking Crocker. What's up, dude? <laughs> What's up, man? Yeah, ain't shit, dude. It's Monday. It's Monday. It is. It is. It's Monday. And man, we just have so much 49er news to talk about. I don't Lance through some footballs. On the series, man. Hear that he wasn't trash. <laughs> right. Like, he fucking didn't you know, suck, baby. Let's I'm, go. I'm, you know, I, I think you would rather hear uh, oh man, like you know, Trey Lance. Like I'd rather hear he went twenty for twenty four in seven on seven than like seven for twenty four. Like or you know, right. or like ten for ten for twenty. Where it's just like ah, fifty percent in seven on seven. Like you know, but it was just you know, it was like all right, he did what you would hope and expect. So now it's like all right, what's the next step? So you know, right. at least in that one workout, got to find out what he did over Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, the one meeting, one workout where that was open to the media. Uh, apparently, Trey Lance completed like all of his passes in seven on seven, except for one that they said was probably dropped. And then I don't know, you know, how they 
there was also mention of of the passes he was throwing during one on ones too. But then there there was that one where wh- who was the uh, what was the quarterback that picked the cornerback that picked it off? Diamador Lenore. Yeah, I wanted to uh, demo. That's right. I wanted to let yeah. you say the name so I didn't just butcher that into hell. But... I've learned how to say it. I put yeah. some respect on his name. I know, I know. It is disrespectful to just like not try and learn his name. So I'm gonna yeah. get it. I promise. I'm not just gonna. Yeah, I'm, I'm not just it. gonna camp on Demo, and uh, yeah. and and go for it. But dude, even that was the reactions to that were hilarious. Even there were there were even comments about that, saying like, "Oh man, what a pass! What a shitty pass from Trey Lance." I'm like, it's fucking one on ones. The quarterback's job is to just throw the ball. Listen, <laughs> let somebody nothing, make a play. There is nothing I hate more then you have the perfect rep from a coverage standpoint in one-on-ones and the quarterback doesn't throw the ball. It pisses me off. Like, you throw the damn ball. Like, you don't get extra points for, like, not throwing it. Like, right. like we don't care if you throw a pick in one-on-ones. Dude, throw the damn ball. Let me get my well, Because, pick. I mean, the way I look at it, too, is it's one-on-ones. It's not one-on-zero. Like, there is a DB out there trying <laughs> to make a fucking play, and if the quarterback doesn't throw the ball, then he's basically just removing – the defensive backs element of practice, you know, obviously so if he gets hard. the rep. Yeah. Yeah. Like one-on-ones is so hard, like just in general from the defensive back standpoint, like bro, it's hard. So if, if I have a, a play where it's perfect coverage, throw the damn ball. So I'm glad Trey Lance just still threw the ball. And it's like, dude, Trey Lance, that's not on you. That's on that damn receiver for getting strapped. Putting a straight jacket. <laughs> Straps. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was funny to see people or even, even a couple, even, a, I mean, I don't, I saw one, I wouldn't say a couple, I saw one 49ers media member tweet about Trey Lance throwing his first professional interception. I'm like that ain't what that is, bro. Like it's a, it's his fucking job to throw the ball. Like that could have been Kyle Shanahan throwing the ball. Whoever's back there needs to throw the damn ball because yeah, it it's was a play off for regardless. the DB. It was picked off regardless who threw it just because of the coverage and the receiver kind of slipping and falling and getting strapped up. Um, when I first kind of, I hate saying it this way, but when I first got the news that he threw it in a session, um, <laughs> I was actually live on, on YouTube. So someone was like, Trey Lance threw an interception to our practice. And I was like, well, you know, good. Like, you know, like it's a different speed of game and he has to understand like what he can and can't do. But then once I heard it was one-on-one and then I actually saw the play, I'm like, dude, that was just, a, that was the receivers just got strapped up. And I'm glad that Trey Lance still threw the ball because dude, it's one-on-ones. Who cares what happens? Not right. keeping matter of fact, I mean, we keep track of what he completed, you know, completion percentage in seven on seven, and I think that's ridiculous, but it's even more ridiculous no, to, to keep track of that in one on ones. Like, I it's more it's I ridiculous, did, but we're gonna fucking do it every single time, <laughs> like, every single time, and we're gonna um, react to it every single time. Well, to me, too, like it goes back to like you and I straight up talked about me. Okay, so me and Crocker were sitting there in training camp on the sidelines watching practice and we were standing right in front of the fans that were there. This was a couple of years ago. There were fans there and I don't remember what offense was on the field. I don't remember what defense was on the field. Cause sometimes it's, you know, first team offense versus second team defense. Usually it's one, you know, the first team versus first team, but I don't remember which one was on the field, but they threw the ball and somebody picked it off. I think it was a killer Witherspoon got an interception and the whole crowd went like, ah, 
And I'm like, motherfucker, nobody ever cares if the defense makes a play. I'm like, they're always just like, man, the offense sucks. And I'm like, well, that could be the case. But at the same time, like the defense is part of the team. You can be <laughs> if, you, if it was a game, you'd be fucking pumped that the corner just got a pick. But, right. you know, here at training camp, they're just like, oh. And it's like the same shit. Like all they saw was Trey Lance getting uh, an interception and not giving the shout out to Demo, who that was a hell of a play. Right. You know, some good hips, some good movement, and then great hands picking it off. That was like a pure hands catch. And and all you hear about is everything else but the straps. You know, it's right. like, well, motherfuckers, like their defenses are, they have hearts too. <laughs> Lenore did get his love. I mean, he pretty much went viral. That that video that the SF San Francisco, uh, the SF Niners, um, you know, they have an Instagram account. They have a Twitter account. Uh, they posted out the the video first, and you know I saw uh, what was it? Sports Center tweeted out Deion Sanders. Oh, really? Tweeted it. Yeah, I Deion did Sanders see that. I did see the Deion Sanders. Um, so I think I think overall, and even on my on my Twitter, I just quote tweeted it, and I was like, like, damn, that straps, like you know, yeah, and it's it just, was good. And and um, I know even on my tweet, it, the quote tweet got a lot of love. So um, I, it was good to see a defensive back kind of get his you know, do where most people always hate, man. It's like, they always hate on the cornerback. And it's like, if a cornerback gets an interception, it's like, oh, uh, the bad route by the receiver. Or, oh, that was a terrible throw. That's the, the fucking best, bro. That was a quarterback, terrible route. Yeah, the, the quarterback should have threw it over there. And it's like, dude, he just made a good play. Let the, right. let the defensive back, let the cornerback have his time. All right, he made a good play. Like, everything's not going to be perfect, you know, but on that rep, yeah, he strapped the receiver, but then you know what they're gonna say, like, well, the receiver, well, he slipped, or oh, the receiver is just not that good, or he's not gonna be on the roster. And it's like, dude, you guys were just talking about Watkins being the third receiver, and now he just sucks and ain't gonna make it. <laughs> right. It's just, I'm not it's saying he's gonna make it. I'm just saying that's dramatic. what you know. Everybody loves him so. But it's like, just have some respect for defense making plays. And, like, you just scroll through the comments, and you're like, one of the comments that got the most likes was Trey Lance already throwing picks. Like, you idiot. <laughs> like, yeah. shut up. But that's Twitter. That's that's Twitter. I, I'm, I'm good. But overall, I mean, it was cool to see Trey Lance in a 49ers uniform throwing a football and looking good. You know, he was uh, – anyway, it, it looked like what Trey Lance looks like throwing a football. You know, he throws it. He throws it. He's got really good arm strength. His release looked – I mean, did anything change to you about his movement and his throwing and any of that? I mean, it all looked kind of like what we saw at his pro day or what I saw watching his pro day, but it looked yeah. good. It looked It looked fine. fine. It looked like Trey Lance throwing a football. Is, I think some people kind of talked about his release a little bit and whatnot. I, I think that's a little nitpicking. I think more so than anything because the ball does come out quick. It's just like, you know, the feet. I think that's probably the thing to more to focus more on, not so much the actual release. I think people I less people will focus on the feet because they don't know what the feet are supposed to look like. So yeah. they're just like his release. Yeah, I think I think it's like the feet and like the shoulders, like things like that, like where you see like random misses. Like I, I saw Rich Madrid um kind of post a video of him rolling out and was like, oh, there's just a little bit too many of these, like, in my opinion, just watching them roll out and kind of throwing the ball and it just comes out bad or whatever. But a lot of that just has to do with mechanics. And it's like, can you fix those things? And I'm not saying they're easy fixes, 
But a lot of it just has to do with like his feet more so than the actual throwing motion. You know who's throwing motion they don't ever talk about? And I didn't, I didn't really realize it until I was watching um, Amari Rogers from Clemson. Like, uh, goddamn Trevor Lawrence. Like, Trevor Lawrence's throwing motion, they don't say, they don't talk about it. First of all, they don't talk about anything with Trevor Lawrence. Just, <laughs> but it's like, he was just anointed, I, bro. Like, he was the number he was one just overall anointed. pick. That was it. I'm watching them, and it's like, you guys want to talk about any of these other guys' throwing motions, whether it's um, Justin Fields, whether it's uh, damn Trey Lance. But watch Trevor Lawrence throw the ball, and it drops well below his waist, and it's really this loopy overhead, like, throw type thing. I'm like, wow. How come nobody talks about that? They talk about they nitpick at every other thing that every other guy does. I think if I had to like pick one throwing motion that I like the most out of all like the kind of rookie quarterbacks, I would probably say Zach Wilson. He has a nice like compact, quick release, strong enough arm, and all that. Yeah, and he can throw but, from a ton of angles too. Yeah, but Trevor Lawrence, I mean, it was like this is like a really loop. Like it drops it down below his waist and then brings it all the way back around and then kind of throws from like this high arc area and it's like how come I've never heard anybody talk about this and I only noticed it because I'm watching Amari Rogers because he looks like Jesus and an avatar so no one's gonna <laughs> yeah but anyways <laughs> that's why that's why so hey we are going to continue our position breakdown we've only done it uh we've only done one uh I don't think it was last episode I can't remember what we talked about last episode we had something to talk about maybe it was last episode I don't think it was but um, we're going to continue our position breakdown of the roster. And now we did quarterbacks and now we are on running backs, running backs, running backs, which is a pretty interesting little group of players. If there was one position going into the draft that I thought was like kind of set, it was running backs. And then they come typical Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch shit. They come in and they draft two running backs, yeah. one in the third round and then one, uh, towards the end of the draft. So it's like yeah. fifth or you know, sixth. You, yeah. Yeah. You thought that they were good to go. And then they're like, no, nah, we'll, we'll be good to go though. And, and yeah. now, now, you know, so obviously with the, these position breakdowns, we want to start with 2020 and why, especially in this case, why did they feel the need to invest two picks in running backs when their roster seems set. And there's a couple of reasons that goes into that. The first one, obviously, we talked about before we started recording, was injuries. Pretty much every single 49ers running back missed, missed time last yeah. season. You know, Raheem missed some time. Um, uh, Raheem played in – what do I got here? Raheem played in eight games. You know, still managed over five – still managed five yards of carry. You know, still managed to do, the, do, do his damn thing because he's Raheem. And then, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr. missed some time. And then, uh, you know, then you had Jermichael Hasty got a little bit in there. The only person that kind of held it down from an injury perspective was Jarek McKinnon, who just got done missing two years of time. And, you know, Jermichael Hasty got in there. Uh, Austin, like we talked about, Austin Walter got in there for a little bit. Um, you know, Tevin Coleman was hurt basically the entire year, did almost nothing all season. So... It was it was a lot like quarter the quarterback position, you know, like injuries are what kind of prompted the 49ers to to make this move, despite the fact that, you know, like let's talk about 
the players from last year that are still on the roster. I mean, you got Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr. I would think there'd be quite a few teams in the league that would be perfectly content with that. You know, like, right? Especially the 49ers, given what they've already seen them do in person. Raheem and Jeff Wilson Jr., that's money. And then, you know, Jamichael Hasey had his little flashes here and there. And, you know, uh, they signed Wayne Gallman, who was actually pretty damn good for the Giants last season, stepping in for Saquon Barkley. So he wasn't on the 49ers last year, but he was in the league. So we we got to see what he was doing. I mean, he, in 10 games, you know, or actually he played in 15 games, but he started 10, and he had 147 carries for 682 yards and six touchdowns. 4.6 yards a carry. Like, that's super respectable. So, we just thought, like, man, good to go, man. This guy, and good even then, you're like, this is going to be fun to see. Like, who, what's going I, I on thought they were. I thought they were good there. You know, when you, when you start talking about, okay, I got I got Mostert and I got Wilson. I, I feel like you're good there. Then you add uh, Gallman, and you're like, okay, like, I, I got three guys. And then if I need a fourth guy, I got Hasty. So, like, I think running back was like the Last position, I thought they'd drive, let alone, like, drafting two guys. And one guy they drafted high, like, a third-round running back is equivalent to, like, a first-round receiver. That's how I kind of look at it. That's a good way of putting it. You know, because, you know, the kind of decrease in value. So, um, you draft a guy, you know, in the third round at running back, like, I really feel like you're expecting some type of role for him. And that's what I'm interested to see. Now, obviously, I mean, a third-round pick is still a third-round pick. But so, you know, from that standpoint, we'll see if they, like, kind of rush him to get on the field. But I think ideally, you know, third-round running back, like, you you want that guy, like, kind of on the field. So um, I'm interested to see how that whole thing plays out because, I mean, we didn't even get to the, you know, the Louisiana Cajun, Raging Cajun running back. No, uh, Mitchell, Elijah <laughs> Mitchell, like you know, so that it, it's very interesting, kind of what they did at the running back position, where a guy like me who has been saying like, uh, you know, people are like, what do you think about running back? I'm like, ah, no, running back, <laughs> no way. Then they go running back. I'm like, okay, I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> Samsonite. I don't know if you're a dumb dumber guy, but I, whenever anybody says anything about being way off, I always think of the scene where he's trying to guess the name. He thinks because Samsonite is that. Never mind. Just never mind. Everybody, y'all, y'all <laughs> listening know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, like you're saying, man. Like you just think they're kind of set, but at the same time, you're talking about you know two of those guys in Raheem and Jeff Wilson Jr. Both missed a little bit. You know, Raheem missed half the season. Jeff Wilson Jr. missed a small, ch- smaller chunk of games. Technically, you paid. He played in 12 games. So. You know, you're talking about two guys that have have shown to miss a little time. You know, Raheem played in most of the games in 2019, though, so he was good there. But then in 2018, he missed right around half the season. So it, you're talking – not only are you talking about guys that had missed a little bit of games in, in their past, but none of them, whether it be Raheem, Jeff, or Mostert, Wilson, Gallman – None of them are signed after this year. Right. And the 49ers, just given their position on the team, given their salary cap position, kind of their outlook, the guys they've had success with, I don't know that they're going to want to pay any of these guys anymore. You know, like, 
I could see them just going, well, we drafted Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell, and we'll keep them next year, and then we'll pick up a couple of undrafted free agent running backs, and we'll run it back again. Right. You know, and maybe a one free agent or something, somebody that they kind of like or whatever. Uh, you know, and, and that to me, once once I kind of realized that, and once I saw that being tossed around, I was like, okay, that makes a little more sense. Yeah. Because the 49ers just don't want to be in a position to have to pay running backs. And, you know, maybe Which they've the- done. And the crazy thing is the running backs that they have paid are the ones that have not worked out. Right. Right. Even, I mean, even – with most of them, I'm not saying most of them work out. Like, we know what he is. But when he finally did get paid, like, this year, where they're like, all right, we're going to give you all these incentives to where it's going to boost your, you know, your money and stuff for the year, he went down with, like, injuries. And, you, I mean, we we know how the high ankle sprain was, like, just, I don't know. I've never seen anything like that. Like, what is there, probably, like, 10 high ankle sprains with the 49ers? Even <laughs> I used, it happened, I used to happen late in the year. So people probably don't even consider it like that. But, I mean, even he, like, ended his season with a high ankle sprain. So I've never seen anything like that. But I say all that to say, the guys that they invested the money in, they really didn't – they definitely didn't get their money's worth. I mean, they had one of the more expensive backfields in the league. Right. Jeff now, McKinnon, now it, we hadn't – you know, we mentioned right. him. Now, but. there are guys that – you know, like multiple guys at different positions, but just the the investment at the running back position between Coleman, who's making like five million, uh, you know, McKinnon, whatever he was making. I know they restructured last year. Uh, Mostert, they gave him some money, and Kyle Uchek, who makes the most money out of any you know fullback in the league. So just at the running back position, at a a position that is you know a little devalued around the league. They still were, they. I mean, they were investing good money into that position. Now, they, again, they were spreading it out amongst multiple guys, but most guys aren't, especially when. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A lot of their production have been guys that were the undrafted ones, right? Like Jeff Wilson. That's what I mean, yeah. If, if you if you took off their numbers and names, and you don't know who is who, and you saw Jeff Wilson, the way he runs, you would probably think he was one of the higher paid running backs on the team. I mean, he was running hard until he had a high angle sprint, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I don't know. They 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 invested a lot of money into guys, and it really felt like the guys that they got the most production out of weren't 
the big time money making running back. And when I say big time money making, I mean like, you know, five plus million a year. Striking Gold is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Is what the 49ers going to do with the third overall pick stressing you out? Or maybe it's something a little more personal. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com gold. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Striking Gold listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash gold. That's betterhelp.com slash G-O-L-D. Right. So in a sense, maybe they've gotten to a point where they don't feel like they should do that anymore. Or maybe, you know, maybe they're going to end up paying Raheem again, or maybe they're going to end up paying Jeff Wilson and we just don't really expect it, but it seems like they've definitely added some insurance to that group so that they could, that they could, you know, drive on in a way where we know that, I mean, especially when you consider Trey Lance coming up and in and, and whether he's playing midway through the season, next season, whatever you got, you know, the 49ers are going to want to kind of revolve everything around that run game. Not that they're not going to want Trey Lance to throw the ball, but Kyle Shanahan's going to want to run the ball. That's just what he does. And so, and that includes Trey Lance. So you can, you can just tell it's a, they want to just make sure that, that they've got everything locked up at that spot, whether or not they choose to repay Raheem, whether or not they choose to pay Jeff Wilson or any of that, whatever happens, they've got a healthy amount of guys rolling through there. And so obviously the roster this year, you know, the running back roster as of now includes You've got well, who we've already talked about, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., and then you've got Jamichael Hasty and Wayne Gallman. Um, that's kind of like your four that were here before the draft. And then they added Trey Sermon out of Ohio State and Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana. Uh, they haven't signed Trey Sermon yet, but that's just you know that's just paperwork shit. Right. Let me get that done. But I actually watched a um, I think his name's Matt. You know who Matt Waldman is. Yeah, uh, he does like a, some pretty interesting like film breakdowns, pretty detailed mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I watch a lot of his stuff on YouTube. I actually just happened to watch uh, one of his videos today on on Trey Sermon. He was just talking about his like advanced movement ability. 
And if you don't, if you haven't watched Trey Sermon play yet, he's a bigger dude. He's he's not a small running back at all. He's like six foot, six one, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Uh, probably you know tops out at around like a four five, somewhere between a four five and four six. He's a big dude. He handles contact extremely well. He bounces off tackles all the time. Um, so you, when you kind of like look at him play, I guess at first glance you might not notice his movement skills and how good he is in short spaces. But that was what this entire video revolved around was Trey Sermon's ability in like tight spaces to move quickly, to move laterally, to, you know, just kind of maneuver his way through, you know, the amount of space that a running back typically has, which is next to none. And so it was all these just little cut-ups of not necessarily runs where he breaks off a huge play of just like where he had to make a move quickly and in tight spaces and did it a lot. You know, he's just able to react very quickly and utilize the minimum amount of space, whether it's horizontally or vertically to make a move and to make someone miss. And it was just a really impressive done. It was a well done video by Matt Waldman. And it was just impressive to watch Trey Sermon work in that way. You know, like it wasn't necessarily about the big plays. It maybe have only been a five or six yard gain, but it was one of those five or six yard gains that had it been a running back, had it been a running back that wasn't so, you know, impressive in tight spaces might've been a two yard loss. You know, so I think what you, where you're going with this is he's kind of reminiscent and, and I'm not saying his, his running style um, or anything like that, or that he's going to be this guy. But what you're saying is <laughs> he's kind of like Frank Gore in that sense, right? Like Frank Gore, I think that's where he was like excellent at. Like he was able to get, three yards out of something that was blocked up for a zero yard game, right? Like he was able to get 10 yards on something that was blocked up to be a three yard game. And he was able to get 20 yards on something that was blocked up to be like an eight yard game. So basically what you're saying is like, you know, a guy that kind of is able to be, you know, however he maneuvers his body and stuff. And, and again, I don't even think they have the same running style, but just in the sense of being able to like do that in those kind of tight areas where you don't expect him to be able to, you know, get any yardage. He's able to kind of pick up more yardage, more yards than, than expected. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, and if you go back and watch like most 49er fans, when they think of Frank Gore, they think of kind of like, you know, the latter half of his career where, but if you go back and watch early Frank Gore, like he was really good at breaking tackles. He was still good at what you're just saying, all the tight space stuff. He was a little quicker, a little faster, broke tackles like crazy. And that is a lot how Trey Sermon runs. Now, Trey Sermon's a little bigger, but Frank Gore was always real thick and stout. And he does run a lot like that. And what's funny you mentioned that is in that video, he shows that clip where Trey Sermon breaks like four tackles. He ends up picking like 25 yards up. But even he, he even gets hit at like the 20-yard line and kind of like, stumbles forward and keeps his balance long enough just to get another five yards. And that was like Frank Gore's fucking masterpiece. Like Frank Gore would always pick up like three or four more yards after the end of the run when you think he was done. Like he'd just go and there'd be a little bit more and be like, oh man, oh wait, no, no, he got it. You know, like it was, that was just Frank Gore, man. The essence of Frank Gore was like, like a four yard game that looked like it was meant for zero. Yeah. And, and it was 
and that is a lot of how he runs. And and I, I, it's, it's funny you say that because I hadn't put that together except for when he mentioned the clip where he kind of picks up those extra five yards when it looked like he was done. And I kind of was, and I literally remember in my head just going, huh, Frank Gore, you know, like, and, <laughs> and it's like, he is a lot like that. Now he's, it took him a while last year. He had some, some big years at Oklahoma, like his best year at Oklahoma when he was a sophomore. He had 164 carries for 947 yards and 13 touchdowns. And then it took him a little bit longer to get going at at Ohio State during that last season. Um, but, I mean, we saw what he did towards the end of the year. Like, he just took over games. And They, they also had Master Teague. I think that's his name, right? Master Teague, number 33, I think he is. Um, so, they were like, it was like a split backfield. Yeah, so like, you know, yeah, Master Teak was a guy who was getting like, you know, carries the year before and stuff. Like, so, you know, it it wasn't like he was on the team where it's just like, hey, you're just going to get all the carries. Now, it did get to a point where it's just like, feed Sermon. <laughs> like, you know what I'm like, it definitely got to that point, but it wasn't like that to start the year. And like you said, you mentioned him being at Oklahoma. Like, he transferred over to Ohio State and mm-hmm. then basically was, you know, splitting carries. Until it was just like, uh, let's just give him more carries than anybody else. <laughs> Especially yeah, I mean, probably, Northwestern. If you guys haven't, and I'm pretty sure you guys have already. I know 49 fans put on the highlights and stuff like that. But if you live under a rock and you haven't watched any of Sermon, watch him against Northwestern and what that looks like. A good like. defense, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a good defense. And spoiler alert, he ran for like 300 some yards. So. <laughs> yeah, he averaged between Michigan and and Northwestern, he averaged 11.3 yards a carry. And like, when you say good defense by Northwestern, I mean, we're talking about a top five defense in all of college football. So it wasn't just like, oh, they, you know, just throwing it out there like, well, Northwestern had a good defense. Like, no, they had a top five defense in all of college football. And he ran for 300 yards, over 300 yards. Yeah. So right? it was over 300 yards, right? Yeah, it was 29 carries for 331 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah, it was. Uh, that reminds me of. Um, do you remember? Uh, gosh, what was his first name? But his last name was Foster, from UCLA. Deshaun Foster. I don't I mean you got me. You don't remember Deshaun Foster? Okay, so Deshaun Foster, um, I want to say he played in that Super Bowl with the Panthers in the what early 2000s. But Deshaun Foster played at UCLA and me growing up, like I loved watching UCLA. And he had a big game like that where it was like over 300 yards. I just remember being like, damn, they can't stop Deshaun Foster. And he had like over 300 yeah, yards in one yeah, game. Washington. 31 carries for 301 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, I remember that game. But, I mean, dude, if an entire offense puts up three, you know, Trey Sermon's 330 yards, that's a good day. You know, 330 <laughs> yards of offense, you're all right. I mean, you didn't suck. I think yeah. that dude did it on the ground by himself. <laughs> by himself. Running the ball. Like, you ain't catching anything. You are it, running it. So, the way he runs, if you guys – and, obviously, I mean, I, I made the comparison to Frank Gore, but that it wasn't running styles. That was just in the sense of being able to make – like something out of nothing, right? Like the expected yards and being able to kind of get skinny and, and, and get yardage that way. Well, I right. think like when you just watch him and kind of what it looked like to me, I remember watching him all year. It was like, hey, this kind of looks like Kareem Hunt. Now, 
I don't know if he's the pass catcher that Kareem Hunt is because they just didn't utilize him that way at Ohio State. But, you know, just his the way he kind of moved where it's not like this, you know, just, whoa, this guy's explosive, right? You're not going to look at him carry the ball and think you're watching, you know, Raheem Mostert or anything like that. But it's just like this, like, kind of really physical, aggressive way, you know, kind of slippery way of making guys miss in, in the phone booth. Um, but uh, he he runs with a, a really nice, like, aggression. And uh, just with how big he is and just what it looks like, I'm like, man, definitely looks like Kareem Hunt. Yeah, he. I mean, he just has a fun running style. And I don't know. Obviously, none of us know how it's going to translate to the next level. I don't know what what how Kyle Shanahan looks at him and how he's going to take advantage of him. Because Trey Sermon can catch, too. He catches the ball pretty naturally. I watched his pro day. I watched, uh, you know, when the the catches he did have. He's a pre, he can he's a pretty natural pass catcher. So well, he dropped yet. the first pass in 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 uh, seven on seven. I think I think it was like the very first pass. Oh really? Uh, yeah, he dropped it, and then from there, Trey Lance went on to complete like the next like eight straight passes or something like that. None of them to Trey Sermon. He's like, you're out, you're done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, they didn't report anything. I, I mean, I didn't re- read any reports. You're done. After yeah, that, so that's funny. But why do the 49 real quick? Why do the 49ers not allow media to all like rookie minicamp? Like I'm I'm trying to remember back when I because you know when you're playing, you you're not focusing on when the media is there, when they're not there, or whatnot. Like you're just like, I just know we have practice today. So I remember doing rookie minicamp. I I can't tell you if the media was there or not, but just thinking about it right now, it's just like let the media, I, really I think the 49ers, know. I feel like the 49ers are kind of like, I don't want to say they're irritated with the media, but maybe they think that the media has too much access. Like, do you think I, if if all you had the answer to was Barrows and Mayoko, would they have more things that were open? Maybe. I, I really don't know because there was plenty of times where, you know, where I would watch how other media covered the team and what they would have access to and what they would be filming and taking pictures of and not filming and whatever. And then you'd be like, man, why, why aren't we allowed to do that? Like, what did, did somebody do something wrong before I got here and they fucked it up for everybody? Or like, what, like, why are we not allowed to do that shit? So, I mean, I really don't know, man. I'm sure that every media department could, could justify whatever rules they have. Uh, But at the same time, there's always time for your watching, you know, like maybe there's teams out there that just don't even care what their media films or photographs or interview, whatever. And so you're like, damn, why can't it be like that? But I don't know. You know, they always say like every rule is created. Every dumb rule, it was created because somebody did dumb shit, you know? So well, they stopped one-on-one, like recording one-on-ones yeah. when I yeah. was there. Um, but it's like, I, I you know, I, I think it, who record, was it you that recorded Richard Sherman? Getting toasted? Yeah. I think that you might have started that rule. No, I mean, because of, no, because we were allowed to record one-on-ones after that. You know, like well, I not did it for that year. long. Because I remember when I came, because I feel like, when was it? I, I came like, I was there that year, but not every practice, right? But then the next year, I was at a lot more training camp practices, right. and we were not allowed at some point to record one-on-ones. I know that specifically. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, I feel like I'd have to go back and look because I felt like. And I was they made stupid to rules them. too. Like 
you can record before or you can record at the time, but then you can't post it until a different time or it's just like, what? There's one where you can't post from the field. So you would, if you wanted to tweet something right then, because it was badass, you'd have to walk off the field and tweet it yeah. and walk back. And, you know, and I, like I said, I don't know. There, there's probably a rhyme or reason for why all these rules are created, but yeah, I filmed the Richard Sherman video, but I'm pretty sure that one-on-ones went on for quite some time after that, but maybe it was my fault. Maybe. Nah, you definitely started. I'm pretty sure in their like media room or whatever, or when their little talks is like the Rob Louder rule. Yeah, yeah, man, that sounds good too. That's got a good ring to it. The Rob. For if you guys don't remember, like, so (laughs) Rob being an asshole recorded the first rep of Richard Sherman (laughs) coming coming back after his injury. Marquis Goodwin. Against Marquis Goodwin, and Goodwin just runs right by him. I mean, it went everywhere. It was on like NFL Network, everything, every 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 single like media site, whatever, posted this clip, and it was just Marquis Goodwin just just running straight, and Richard Sherman just struggling to keep up. And it was like Richard Sherman just fresh off of an injury, and Rob being an asshole posted it, <laughs> and uh, yeah. That's the day that the Rob Ladder rule was created. No more recording <laughs> one-on-ones. <laughs> man, I fucking hope I created that rule. Fuck all y'all. I'm like, man, it was worth it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was funny. That, uh, my bad. But um, you know what's funny, too, is later on in that training camp, after that video kind of went, woo, um, like there were a lot of mentions about, like, I remember Kyle Shanahan talking pretty passionately about how like he wants players to take risks during practice that they wouldn't necessarily take during games. And he wants them to be able to take those risks freely without feeling like something's going to get filmed and posted on the internet. And I'm (laughs) sitting there like getting all red, like shit, 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 you know, like, yeah, um, that was the same year. So yeah, there was, that was brought up quite a few times. And I was like, man, this fucking sucks. You know, I had like friends, texting me a picture of their NFL network on TV with my face up in the corner, you know, and I'm just like, God damn, like this, is, <laughs> this has gone too far. This is too far. So yeah, that shit was crazy. I hope that's not the reason that we can't film one-on-ones. Cause I, I love filming one-on-ones and watching. It's definitely. One-on-ones. I'm telling you, it is the but, Rob Louder rule. All right. That's it. That's what I got. That's going to be the name of this pod, even though it has nothing to do with running backs. I'm just going to randomly name this pod the Rob Louder Rule, and people will have to listen to it <laughs> in, order, in yeah. order to figure it out. So, hey, so you watched Elijah Mitchell. I watched Elijah Mitchell. He's the other guy there, you know, the other dude there drafted uh, in addition to Trey Sermon. I'm impressed by Trey Sermon, by the way. Like, I think he could be really good. You know, I, I think that he he if he's going to keep running like that, uh, he'll have a place in this offense, in this league. I so think, I'm looking I think he definitely – I think he creates a nice – balance when you, you know, you, well, you think about, you know, Raheem Mostert in theory and you see like, you know, Wilson and what he comes in and he does. And then you have a, like, I think like between the three of those guys and I mean, obviously I'm leaving out Gallman, but between the three of Sermon, Wilson and Mostert, they all run different. They all have just these different running styles. Like, you know, obviously Mostert is just the, like one cut, I'm out of here. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Wilson is the, like, I'm just running like I'm angry at the world, right? <laughs> right. Like, from the jump, from the, like, from the time he gets the ball, he's just angry at everybody. Wasn't there that one clip where he was just like, 
angry and somebody got it on mic'd up. I think it was like George Kittle was like, oh, I love when he gets mad like that. Well, yeah, and I think he's. I think it was on. It came like with context of him saying that he like he like goes to a really dark place when he runs yeah. the ball. And I think George Kittle said something like about like wanting to go to the same place or something like that. And and yeah, he's a he's different man. He just but yeah, and then Sermon like you know his running style where there is a level of physicality to it, but there's also like a finesse to it. Oh, to yeah. where it's like a little finesse and then finish strong. Like a little finesse. Almost like, this is not going to be a popular thing, but like Kevin Barlow. If y'all remember how like Kevin Barlow ran the ball, he was someone who would like give you that finesse. And it's like, man, how's this guy who's like 6'2", 230 pounds, like, but he's like wiggly. Like Kevin Barlow, he, I think because it flamed out so quick, but when he was good, he was good. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, he was only good for one year, but <laughs> hey, it was a, it was a year. It counted. It's in the book. I have a uh, I have a story about Kevin Barlow. Like, so 49ers used to be, do training camp in Stockton, obviously my hometown, two hundred nine, you know. But um, they used to do a training camp in Stockton at UOP, and I used to go. Like, I used to. It's weird because I used to ride the bus up there, but it's like, how old was I, dude? I was like <laughs> seventh grade, riding the bus to UOP <laughs> by myself, right? And um, I used to wait in this one spot. I used to get all the autographs right there. And Mariucci would talk to me and stuff and be like, hey, Crocker. He knew my name because, like, I would wear my brother's jersey up there. Um, but he'd be like, hey, Crocker, you get any good, you get any good uh, autographs today? And I was like, oh, no. Nah. So then I'm seeing, I see some players walking by, uh, walking by. It's Kevin Barlow. He's one of my okay. favorite players on the team. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm about to get Kevin Barlow's autograph. So I, I hey, Barlow, can I get your autograph? No, I didn't even get to say that. I didn't even get to say, Barlow, can I get your autograph? He sees me and was just like, man, these kids are everywhere. Look, there goes a kid right there. I know he wants my autograph. And I'm just like, I'm not even going to ask him. And from that moment, I never liked Kevin Barlow again. Oh, so he he talked. He was just talking shit about the fact that there were kids around? He was just talking crap about the fact that there was Eric Crocker around. I was the only kid there. <laughs> 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 Damn man, what a dick! I know. Why would you not want kids to be? So I was in this spot. They had to walk. It was like from the field to like the like dorms, like where they went and ate. So like they had to walk by me, and I used to get all their autographs there. JJ Stokes, Terrell Owens. I mean, I was like in the uh, Keena Turner, and I've told Keena Turner about this story before. Um, you know, at training camp, I talked to Keena Turner. I was like, "Hey man, when I was a kid, you know, you told me." Um, to go home and find out who you were. And until I found out who you were, you wouldn't give me your autograph. So yeah, Keenan Turner, when I was a kid, he was like, son, do you know who I am? And I'm like, no. And he's like, well, go home, find out who I am. And you come back, if you tell me who I am, then I'll give you an autograph. So I'm like, all right. So I went home, I'm like, okay, you had to be a United football player. So I went home, I had this plaque. I randomly had this plaque. I don't even know why or where I got it from, but it was a plaque from like the, the late 80s Super Bowl win, 88, 89, whatever, right? And I'm looking at the picture, and I'm just looking, I'm just looking, I'm looking, and boom, I see the face. I'm like, <laughs> Keena Turner. So I went up there the next day, I said, you're Keena Turner. He was like, yes, I am. And he gave me his autograph. <laughs> so when I'm at training camp, I told him that story. So he thought that was cool. That is you know, cool, kind of That's A-hole. funny. That's funny. Fucking Kevin Barlow, man. You don't... You know, I hope he's not listening to Striking Gold. He doesn't deserve Striking Gold. 
But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we got all right, last one before we get out of here. We got Elijah Mitchell, who is I mean, the dude's been doing the damn thing for a while. He had three really good seasons, three solid seasons at Louisiana. You know, and he uh he can catch the ball. You know, his best season catching the ball was at a junior or a sophomore where he caught thir- or 20 passes for 349 yards. That's kind of ridiculous, 17 and a half yards a catch um, for three touchdowns. And he caught 16 of them last year. But, I mean, he just seems like a solid running back that's been doing it for a while. He's quick, though, and, and he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Raheem Mostert and the fact that they both have – I don't think he's as fast as Raheem, but the, I know the 49ers clocked him in the four threes, and he kind of has a, a similar running style in the fact that you know, they, they run like track athletes a little bit. Raheem runs kind of upright, but obviously it doesn't really affect him all that much because he's just running so fast. Like, like right. it doesn't matter because he's he's upright because everybody around him is just going to be taking bad angles. And Elijah Mitchell kind of runs a little bit of the same. You know, he's, he's still physical. He's not – he's not a, a, that his sole purpose in life isn't to just be a burner. He's pretty solid, but – I mean, I, I didn't really know how much to take from him other than he just seemed like a solid running back. You know, there wasn't any one thing about his game that was like eye-popping, but he was solid, you know. Yeah, so. well, he he runs in the, he ran in the 4-3, so I think people are automatically going to say that he's just a speedster, right? When I, when I watched his film, at first I'm like, oh, man, like, I'm looking at him through the eyes of somebody where he's like, man, you ran in the 4-3s. Like, I'm looking for you to look like Raheem Mostert. Right, and that's how 49ers were looking at it, like, oh, speedster. But then you start to find out that, you know, at the senior bowl, he was 218 pounds, right? Um, so, you know, and then when he when he ran his 40 in the four threes, he was 201 pounds. So we're talking about, you know, he dropped 17 pounds from the senior bowl, right, um, to probably run faster. So I don't think he played at a 4-3 speed, but I will say he definitely played at a speed that was like 4-4-5. Four, four, which is really good, right? So if you're talking about somebody who, you know, has some, you know, decent height, he's not like this short guy, but definitely has a size at 218. And there were definitely plenty of runs where I'm watching him and he's like, okay, big run. Like, okay. Again, there is a little bit upright element to his his game and he's not like the most elusive running back. But I do think he ran hard for the most part. And I thought there was some big play ability there. Again, not in the 4-3, like he ran, but he's, he definitely will rip off some runs. And, and I like that about him. Yeah. He, if he's going to be doing that at 218 pounds, I think that's a win. I mean, he, he'd be the – oh, well, no, Sermon. He had no, plenty wait, of runs no, where he, you – he's bigger than – he weighs more than Sermon, I guess, right? Because Sermon's like 216. So if this guy gets back to what his playing weight was, which was two, 218 – yeah, Sermon's you know, a couple inches taller. Sermon's six foot, six foot one. Elijah Mitchell's five ten, but you know, a little thicker. So yeah, um, there were definitely a couple runs though, and again, not not nearly to the caliber of Raheem because uh, there's a chance that Raheem Mostert's the fastest dude in the NFL. Like he is just right, right. that fast. But there were definitely some times where, and what's cool about Elijah Mitchell is you look at his frame, like you're talking about, you would not assume a fast guy, like. You'd assume solid and quick, but there were definitely quite a few runs, his bigger runs, where the defense just took bad angles. 
because he was right. he was moving and, and that's not necessarily a lot of people love to say that well well that's a bad angle and uh, speed creates bad angles like it's not like that angle was good until the defender realized the dude was moving ridiculously fast <laughs> at and then it's speed. a bad angle right yeah, yeah so it's like yeah it's a bad angle because you're at, you can't catch his ass so you know it's that's just you know it's deceptive speed and Raheem was the same way because Raheem's a big dude. Raheem is not skinny. He's very in shape. He's very buff. He's very strong. He's ripped. Like you just would not think like world class speed when you look at him, but then you watch him run. It's like beast. Like Raheem's been the yeah. fastest ball carrier in the NFL for the last like two years, I think. So I hope that he's healthy for all seventeen games. Like just be healthy because he's he is like a special type of runner. Where, yes. You know, and he, he, he might not personally. be a guy that you consistently want to feed 20 times a game. But I know if he gets 12 to 15 carries a game, like, there is a chance that two of those might go to the house. Like, there's just that that opportunity anytime he touches the ball. So Pretty good receiver, too, Raheem. So, I mean, yeah. he, he, you know, he took a, a catch to the house. So, it's like, yeah. And, and, I, and Raheem is the type of guy, he's got that <laughs> – you know, he's straight from uh, from um, from the last dance. And he's, you know, and I took that personally, you know. So the yeah. 49ers just drafted two running backs. Whether, like like we said, same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Raheem may not be with the 49ers next year, but he's going to be somewhere. So it wouldn't surprise me if, like you said, if he can stay healthy, you know, he could, he could be putting some fireworks out there because he knows the 49ers just drafted somebody to replace him. Right. Just go out there and make yourself irreplaceable, Raheem. I know you're listening. That 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 episode where Raheem we recorded after Raheem requested a trade, he listened to that shit and he fucking called me. <laughs> He's like, "Rob, you're full of shit." <laughs> and, I was, and I just started <laughs> laughing at him. I was like, I was like, I was like, "Hey, man, I gotta say everything. Like, I can't just be like, I love Raheem. He's I consider him a friend. We play Warzone. I hope he doesn't get traded. I hope yeah. like, you know, I can't say it. So we talked about it for a while, but Raheem's a good dude, man. And, and to your point, it would not surprise me if he just went out there and was like, fuck all y'all who forgot what I can do yeah. and just lights it up. So as long as he stays healthy, man. And that's, you know, something that's, you could tell it's not a, it's, it's not an, a, a thing of like, he could not like, he doesn't not prepare for games. Like that, that's not why he gets hurt. Like he's not, uh, you know, being lazy as far as his preparation and stuff like that. And it's, it's out of his control. And hopefully he just has a full season because you know, that like you think of like Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, Raheem Mostert, trying to think of anybody else, maybe Jason Verrett. There are a few guys on this roster that if they can stay healthy, it's not just the best, the best players. Obviously, if your best players stay healthy, you'll do good things. But there's those few players that I just named that I feel like if they stay healthy, the 49ers can go very far. Just because of right. the role they play on the team. And, uh, and they're not even necessarily the best players. But they just have that it factor to take over games and change the way things happen. And that's what they need. But anyways, you got any uh, you got any closing thoughts there, Croc? I thought that was uh, a um, good pod, man. I uh, yeah, I think that that that's good right there. But just intriguing. See who who's going to be the odd man out. I I think that's the most interesting part of this whole thing. You got right now. You have five running backs, um, six backs when you include use check. There's no way they're keeping six backs on active. So I'd assume that somebody's probably going to try to stash somebody on IR 
Or they're just going to cut somebody. Maybe it's what do you think makes we, 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 with the quarterbacks, we predicted what the roster was going to be. I, so if, who, if do you, I had, who do you think that is going to make the roster? And, and again, I, we always forget. I mean, everybody forgets that Kyle, you said is a back. So we didn't talk about him at all, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's, it's true. But yeah, but, um, you know, I, I'd say since they are, there are so many running backs, I'd say they keep five. I agree with that for sure. And, and when I say five, that's obviously that's including you check. So, yep. I mean, I think, I think Gallman is just the odd man now, and Hasty is probably gonna. They're gonna probably try to, you know, get him back on practice squad. So you're yeah. gonna have, you know, Mostert, Wilson, Sermon, Mitchell. Yeah, that's what I would go with. That's what I would go with, and obviously Kyle Uzcheck. I would, and you know, obviously Kyle. And yeah. keeping four backs is a lot because, but I think with the injuries that they dealt with, I think you have to just kind of give yourself that wiggle room. Well, and it's like when you think about it too, the way the 49ers handle the position, three of them are like considered starters. You know, like Kyle Yushnek, considered a starter. He's going to be in there for major snaps. Whoever is the official starting running back for that game, that's another starter from the backfield. And that guy is almost always – there were a couple games where Raheem just took over and handled the major share, but that guy's always usually rotating with somebody else, like 50-50. Right. You know, so – it Keeping five guys seems like a lot, but in reality, that's kind of like you're keeping three starters and two backups. Because that you you can just you can bet that two of those running backs are gonna are gonna split touches fairly evenly, uh, maybe sixty forty, and then Kyle Yushik's gonna come in and do his thing. So right. it, you can see why they've they've done that, and and is whatever keeps them out of having to bring up practice squad running backs like they did last year, you know. The less the the less they have to do with that, the better. But, anyways, you got any uh any final words, my friend? Ah, uh, that's it. All right, y'all already know what it is. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for supporting us. Um, thank you for just you know making it what it is. Uh, we are, you know, we're creeping right now. Y'all know it's the the kind of the slower part of the year, but there will be some practices that will start easing into OTAs and the off season program. One thing we got to mention before we sign off the. You know, because you had a lot of teams where they had limited participation in these these types of offseason activities where, you know, I think there were some teams where only like 40 to 50 dudes showed up out of the 90, wow. you know, and the 49ers had 80 plus, I believe. They had over 80 yeah. players come out, which just shows, I mean, you can you can think of it what you want. I'm not saying that those guys that didn't come from other teams are doing the wrong thing, but it's obvious that, every, that the, almost everybody in San Francisco is bought in. You know, like yeah. they're in, they're they're here. So, and a lot of them have workout bonuses. But hey, they bought in, they're here. <laughs> they're, you know, they're they're ready to roll. So that's something that that shouldn't go unmentioned. So I mean, that's good news for for whatever the 49ers got going, and we'll see what they're able to pull off. But we'll keep breaking down the roster next time we're on here. Um, if we don't have anything else that needs to be talked about, we'll uh, we'll probably roll with uh, receivers. Yeah, which is another yes, super interesting group. You know, could go any way, but all right. Appreciate everybody. Thank you for listening. Make sure you jump on there. Leave a whatever you're listening on. Make sure you leave a review. You know, subscribe, download, comment. You know, give us all the emojis. Whatever people are doing with these podcasts nowadays, I don't know. Um, 
I think maybe we'll try to jump on some locker room this week. We'll see. We'll definitely be recording another episode. We should be trying to jump on locker room at some point. And, uh, you know, because we love that whole thing. But, hey, anyways, make sure you're following us on Twitter, at Rob underscore Louder, L-O-W-D-E-R, at Eric underscore Crocker. Um, But, hey, for another episode, this is Striking Gold. And we are signing out. Peace.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.